0: Hey guys and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So I'm really, really excited for today's episode because it's very, very different to what I normally talk about, which is female health, nutrition, training, all that kind of thing. But uh, one of the previous guests, Laura Farrington, um, who is a very good friend, has put me in contact with an amazing guy called Peter Brown. So Peter is coming on the podcast to talk about financial wellness and managing money, personal loans, mortgages, savings, investing and pensions. And Peter's background is professional trader at BNP Paribas. Uh, Ulster Investment Bank, Barclays Bank for and 10 years, Chief Dealer, uh, General Man- general Manager, Treasury, Pensions and Investments at ACC Bank, Founder, Institute of Investment and Financial Trading in 2010, Founder, Bag and Investment Partners in 2015, and he does some uh, commentator, economic commentating on media outlets, on the radio, like News Talk. So, Peter, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, you're more than welcome. Looking forward to it. Um, so, I think... This is one of those things. I think with what's going on, I think a lot more people are being a lot more um, cautious and some people are being, can be a little bit more frivolous with their money. That's what, especially what's happening on. Um, But I know when we had the initial call a couple of weeks ago, you were talking about various different things. And I was like, I understand zero of this. And I think that's the hardest part is that the information is there, but not a a lot of people have the necessary information, uh, and some of it's quite, some of it's quite simple. I know there's a broad range of things that we're going to kind of go through, but like a lot of us are not great at managing money, and that's that's just fact. Uh, I know very little about it, especially when it kind of comes to pensions and investing. Why does this actual knowledge gap exist, particularly for? my generation and other generations
1: well it, it's for every generation shane you know i mean uh, i come across because i'm a, a financial advisor i come across clients of every range from anything from uh 20 mid 20s up to 80s right and to come across them and i'll never come across a client with a lot of knowledge about this situation um, and it's because of formal education i mean i'll give you a really good example uh a a retired bank manager, right, rang me um, about two weeks ago uh, who had a very substantial pension that was given to him in a lump sum from the bank. uh, And his friend tucked him up for 26 grand upfront commission and stuck him into an absolute appalling pension. And that guy had spent his whole life in banking. He's a bank manager and he knew nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. His knowledge base was really, really poor. So the problem is we don't get any formal education about how to manage our money. I mean, even from the day we start work to, you know, should I have a savings account? Should I have a mortgage? Should I? What's a car loan? What's a pension? All this We don't get any formal education. Uh, we have a fear. We have an inherent fear of the financial markets because people hear horror stories. Uh, you know, at the moment, we're hearing the horror story about Dolphin Trust, but we just had a chat about. 100 million worth of uh, people's money gone down the toilet. Um, <clears throat> doesn't seem to be regulated. People think it's too complicated. The financial markets is too complicated a subject, but the reality is it isn't right. You only need a very, very small skill set to navigate your way through. You're not, you know, some people like to run their own portfolios and things like that, uh, but 99.9 percent of people aren't going down that road. So they just need a little bit of a skill set to make sure that the people they engage in, engage with, uh, are trustworthy and they know what's going on.
0: And you mentioned there about kind of being scared uh, about kind of investing in kind of like the future and stuff like that is that is that for everyone is that kind of like is it more predominant in females and more predominant in males or is it, is it has it always been the case uh,
1: it 's always been the case okay and um, the reason the reason it is is there 's a misunderstanding that everything in the financial markets is risky right yep. and the answer is it 's not. So what we do with clients and what every good broker does with clients is you risk assess them. That's the first thing and say, look, how much risk would you like to take? Do you want to see your investments go up or down 10% a year? 15% a year, 20% a year, 5% a year. And then we can very much control what you're invested in that will have that level of volatility. So you can have a very calm experience that you're not going to have, even if the stock markets crash, you're going to have a 5% minus. But if the stock markets go up 30%, you're only going to have a 5% plus. That's very manageable, right? And when we tell people, look, we can control risk according to your appetite, uh, that you don't. The, the danger thing is these property deals. These sort of deals that are unregulated. They have bank borrowing in there. They've leverage in there. Those sort of transactions are the ones that are the minefields you have to stay away from. You will never lose all your money in a diversified uh, asset portfolio. You won't, right? And and the and the great thing about the financial markets is they they give you an, a, an average seven percent annual return. So, with a little bit of, of planning and a good financial advisor, uh, you'll do very well in the markets.
0: Amazing. When most people start out saving and when they try to start out to build some savings, whether for emergency funds, like kind of car insurance or something like that, that kind of comes up, or a deposit for a mortgage, what are the options there? And should and should we be looking to invest the money, or What, what is the situation that we should be doing? Okay, so that's that's great. Now,
1: the the biggest the biggest change that we now face is there's no interest rate for deposits, which is which is shocking a lot of people. A lot of people can't, you know, just can't understand that. Uh, there just isn't any interest rate on deposit. So what we need when we start earning some money, the first thing we need is a little bit of emergency funds, just in case you want to change job or you lose your job or something like that. And that that roughly is calculated about three months net income. Right. So if you've got three months net income, you set that aside. Now, there's nowhere to get a return on that. There just isn't in the post office, in the bank. You just have to leave it in your current account. You can put it in a deposit account if you want, but you're not going to get an interest rate on it. Nothing we can do about that. Uh, we're just no, There's just no interest rates at the moment and not for the foreseeable future. Now, <clears throat> then some people might want to go on and save for mortgage okay and they want to kind of put in a mortgage so what you're doing when you're saving for a mortgage is you're proving to any financial institution that looks at your history that you're able to service a mortgage right so if you're saying look we're able, we're saving you know three four hundred euros a month whatever uh, and that we're able to service a mortgage we've saved for the deposit we're able to service the mortgage uh, because what they'll do when you apply for a mortgage is they'll look at your financial situation overall say what are your outgoings what are your uh Income, what's the net? Can you support the mortgage? That's what they're looking for, ability to to pay. So when you're saving for your mortgage, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to obviously build up the deposit, but also prove to the financial institution that gives you the mortgage that you have the ability to repay. So one serious tip I give to people is do not invest any of that money. Do not invest the money that you're saving for your mortgage. Do not invest it. Okay, because you could have a two or three year period where markets are bad, uh, and you could lose 10 percent, uh, you know, and maybe fifteen percent or twenty percent over a three year period if the markets went through a bad run. Uh, now they don't tend to normally, but you know, uh, sometimes you know, once once every hundred years, or something like that, you can have a really dull period and lose some money. To lose twenty percent of your mortgage deposit is very, very hurtful. So you know, um, I just don't see any upside in investing that. So we're looking to kind of have a little bit of cash set aside for our um, uh, emergency. Uh, and then we're looking to save for the first major step uh, on your financial future, which is, you know, property.
0: And when you talk about kind of saving for like a rainy day, is there a certain percentage that you would kind of suggest? I know everyone's completely different. Uh, but yeah, three months.
1: I, I think three months net income. So whatever your net salary is, uh, or ever, whatever your net uh, expenses are uh, to have three months uh, set aside I think is uh, prudent. It doesn't need to be a lot more than that but three months is prudent.
0: amazing. And you mentioned there about interest rates. why are they at zero and, uh, is, yeah. uh, and, and will they ri- rise up in the in the future if we get if we get inflation?
1: So the zero interest rate thing is absolutely incredible. I mean, it, it's you know I've been in the financial markets, as I said, since 1977. I mean, the interest rates were 20% and 15%, and you know, incredible figures. Uh, you know, and they're they're zero now and ne- negative in some cases. You know, for if you've got cash in your pension, it's negative 0.65%. What's actually happened is uh, from 2008 2009 crash, uh, central banks have flooded. The system with money. People have heard of quantitative easing, literally printing money and flooding the system with cash. That's what they've done, uh, and the system's now awash with cash. Um, and this COVID crisis, uh, they're printing uh, up to five times more money than they did in the last crisis. So there is absolutely humongous amounts of cash running around. People don't want it, so banks don't want it because uh, there's not enough demand to borrow it at a higher rate than they get. Uh, So it just sinks interest rates all the way down to zero. Uh, There's 120 billion of customer cash sitting in banks in this country. In this country, retail, not not corporate, retail, 120 billion. The amount of personal loans has gone down from 180 billion in 2010 to only 100 billion now, okay? So the loan demand is through the floor and the cash is a wash. Uh, So banks are just going, we don't want it. We don't want it. It's zero. We're not paying any money for it. We don't want to take it somewhere else. Um, So its interest rates are zero. Now, without getting into deep economics here, one of the big, big questions coming up here uh, is we're going to have explosive growth, right? When we get opened back up, growth's going to explode. There is a lot of analogy going on. There's going to be like the roaring 20s. And the Great Gatsby, uh, that we're going to have that kind of a boom. Uh, That is possible, that we get a roaring 20s type absolute spending boom, that people just go crazy. Um, Now, there's then a worry that that could lead to inflation. And if we get inflation, interest rates start to rise. Uh, But for a period of time, we could have inflation greater than interest rates, which means for anyone who's got money on deposit, it's losing its buying power. Okay, so... Sitting money on, if somebody says, look, I want want to save for my kids uh, college education uh, and they stick, you know, uh, 20 grand uh, or 10 grand on deposit. uh, In 10 years time, that 10 grand might have 60% buying power if inflation eats it and there's no interest rates. So money on deposit is okay short term, but longer term, uh, it's going to be an issue for a lot of people. But with no interest rates this year. We certainly won't have any next year. Uh, and it'll be all about whether we see inflation, whether we get interest rates into the future.
0: I think that's the like. If I want to wind up my dad, I'll start talking about the industry interest rates. I don't fully understand it, but I'll get them. I'll get them wound up about it compared to what it, what it used to be. Yes. Um, in relation to you talk about the long term, and one of the long term things for a lot of people is kind of, and a lot of people are, are struggling at the minute because of of what's going on regarding kind of saving for a mortgage. Will. Like, what do we need to save for a mortgage, and will other loans decrease our chance of getting approved?
1: Yeah, so you have to be a little bit careful. Um, so remember, it's not the it's not the amount that you're trying to save. Obviously, you're going to have to get ten percent or maybe more in some cases of the value of the property that you purchase. You're going to have to save that. But remember, what you're doing is you're trying to prove that you've got uh, the financial wherewithal to service a mortgage okay so if you've got if you go in for a mortgage and you've got a big huge 20 grand car loan and that's at seven percent and it's costing you an awful lot of money they'll take that into account they'll take that into account now the other thing i would i would just say to people is look i I meet people who who turn around to me say look well we're saving for our mortgage uh and we've 20 grand there and we've another ten thousand in our current account uh, and we've got a car loan of 10 grand and i said well what's What's the point of having 10 grand in your current account earning zero when you've got a car loan and you're paying 7.5% on it? You know, so think about uh, the, the best way to invest is to pay off debt. Because if you, say, if you say you've got a car loan at 7%, okay, anyone who's got a car loan at 7%, if they turn around to me and say they're investing, I'm going to go, well, you know, you've got a guaranteed 7% after tax return by paying off your car loan you're not going to get a 7% after-tax return consistently by investing your money in the financial markets. I come across that all the time. And I just tell people, pay off the loan. Pay off the loan rather than investing in the financial markets. Uh, So you need to be sensible about that because uh, it's very rare that the return in the financial markets after-tax will ever cover the cost of a loan. So pay off the loan. Uh, And then when you're building your uh, mortgage uh, war chest, um, you, it's just a, a, the ability that the bank just wants to see the ability that you can repay whatever mortgage is going to be as you save that deposit and you can repay uh, so things like you know having a trading account and you're trading the financial markets having a paddy power account there are definitely institutions out there that look at that stuff which i think is a, is appalling i have to say um, but uh, just be careful what your financial activity is um you know you want to portray yourself in the best light now when you go to get a mortgage make sure you use a mortgage broker right just because you saved all the money in bank of ireland doesn't mean you have to take out a bank of ireland mortgage go to a mortgage broker they'll get you the best deal uh they get paid by the mortgage company so don't worry about that in terms of commission uh but they're well worth it they'll get you the best deal a mortgage broker Right. If anyone's in that space and wants a, more, a recommendation of a mortgage broker, I can, I can provide them with that. Uh, <clears throat> like anything in the financial markets, you want somebody you can trust, uh, so we can do that. Uh, but uh, don't just get nailed into the, the financial institution. And just to round off and, and cover, Shane, the interest rate side, there is no reason to take out a fixed rate mortgage at the moment, okay, uh, unless we start seeing signs of interest rates. A fixed-rate mortgage is a rip-off. Uh, it's basically the financial institution getting you to pay a higher rate for a longer period of time because they think interest rates are going to fall. That's, that's what, are, you know, there's no way... Financial institutions are not your friend. They're there to make money off you. Always remember that.
0: Yeah. Um, I think mean, one of the big things that kind of, I think, particularly in my generation, one of the things that kind of has been mentioned a few times, particularly if someone's going for a mortgage, is you need to have a loan to improve your credit rating. I think that's one of the things that's I, I think it was in the papers during the week, I think I read it somewhere as well. So the, it, the information is out there. Is that is that true or false?
1: Um, I would say that's kind of, there the, the could be a little bit of truth in that. If you've got a loan and you're servicing the loan, uh, it, it makes it easier for them to see you know, you've got financial uh, stability. Uh, if you've no loans, things like that, they could turn around and say, well, this is a bit unusual. This person doesn't have a car loan. They don't have this, they don't have that. You know, um, so there is an argument. I, now, I wouldn't take out a loan just to kind of yeah. uh, improve your uh, creditworthiness because the loans are, personal loans are ridiculously expensive in this country. I mean, 7% when interest rates are zero. Think about that. They're making 7% on you. Uh, that should be about 2 or 3%. Uh, maximum uh, the reason just just a quick the reason people get annoyed here why mortgage rates and personal loan rates are more expensive in ireland than they are uh, anywhere else uh, the answer to that is there's there's more regulation here uh, which is one thing but the other thing is that in 2008 before 2008 a mortgage was an asset-backed loan to somebody that if they couldn't repay it you could take back the asset and then the banks found out you can't repossess people in this country. So it actually wasn't an asset backed uh, loan at all. And that's why we pay uh, more, which I think is okay, you know. Uh, we pay higher, but they can't take the I mean in America they'll just take the keys off. You just go into the office, give them the keys and that's the end of the deal and that's it it's done. Your house is gone. Um but in Ireland uh, we had the situation where uh, they couldn't repossess. There's still people living in their houses 10 years after that crash who haven't paid a mortgage payment in 10 years and still there. So, you know, the financial institutions are just, you know, kind on of a loss there. That, that's the reason that interest rates are a little bit higher here than they are elsewhere.
0: That's really interesting. Um, I think one of the other things that kind of like, I think some people are finding that because obviously the, the lack of like social lives and holidays and lots of trips away, they may have a little bit more cash in their pocket. I love a bit of excess cash and they, they're looking to invest. Like what advice would you have for someone who wants to start? And should we be worried that we could lose a lot of money? Because that is the biggest thing. That is, like, if people have worked hard to save up their money, they don't really want to, to kind of feck it out the window. Okay. So here's the
1: thing, right? There's absolutely no reason why people shouldn't run their own stock uh, investing account. Okay? There's no reason why you shouldn't. And the reason that is is because the financial markets rise all the time. We're, we're here. We're at all time. We, we had a COVID crisis last February. The markets dipped down. Where are we now? Record all-time highs right across the markets. Okay. So running a stock investing account, the maths is your favor. Asset prices rise. So you have to do pretty stupid things to lose money investing in stocks. You have to. Okay. Now, Human beings are really capable of that chain. That's, that's the amazing thing. Human beings are really capable. And the number one thing that human beings do when they manage uh, stock-broking accounts, uh, stock-investing accounts, is they'll cash in a winner when it's up 10%, and they'll hold on to the bad ones and run them all the way to 50% minus. And that's, that's a natural human instinct, okay? So <clears throat> the reality is, with a very small amount of education, right and i'm gonna do uh, i'm, I'm gonna give a little ad here because we do have a i do do a stock investing uh uh three hour uh webinar three uh a session three module webinar just to give people the basics of how to go about running a stock account and the reality is you just need a little bit of planning in advance that's the people that people don't what risk appetite do you want to set Right. How, do you, how do you get a diversified portfolio? Uh, what about correlation? What about uh, um, uh, seasonality? People don't understand seasonality. I mean, various stocks perform at better times of the year. Uh, you need to know that stuff. Uh, how do I put stocks in my portfolio that are financially stable? What's the measure of financial stability? If I put financially stable stocks into my portfolio, I'm not going to come to a lot of harm. These are good, solid companies. So, with that little piece of education people can take their five ten grand uh, and start to run their own stock portfolio uh we can we've we've websites like de now and platforms like de where the charges are minimal uh and they can access it and in terms of the amount of work they would have to do to run their stock portfolio i would say you're not talking more than three or four hours a quarter a quarter right because the whole thing about stocks is we're not buying today to sell tomorrow. We're putting financially stable stocks in the portfolio that are going to make us money over years. So we don't need to be tinkering around with it and getting ones in and getting ones out and things like that. We just need to be checking it once a quarter, making sure those companies are still financially stable. That's where the assets are that, um, uh, you know, at the moment, uh, things like carbon are a huge winner. Uranium are a huge winner. Uh, So, you know, tech stocks are to be avoided like the plague. So you just need that sort of stuff. Uh, And then your basic principles of good uh, stock investing. And uh, you'll do very, very well. And you absolutely do very well because the maths is your favorite. Uh, There's 50,000 people have stock broking accounts with uh, Davies. right? Uh, They're probably paying uh 5% in commissions a year because they haven't even worked out what the commissions on the stocks are uh as opposed to giro where you pay about 0.2% a year commission yeah. so there is 4.8% straight away uh out those 50,000 people how many of them have decided I'm going to actually take a little bit of education here to find out how to do this i'd say practically none i say to people i used to always say to people I say look you know would you would you go and say look i need, I'll rewire my house I'll just give it a go I'll give it a go rewiring my house, right? Do you know anything about rewiring your house? Ah, how how difficult could it be? Right. So you go rewire your house and kill yourself. But in, in, when it comes to the financial markets, people go, asher Jeepers, it's stocks. How, how how difficult could it be? And they yeah. just do everything wrong, right? Whereas if they can do they can do it right for a minimal and have that skill set and do very, very well. So I'm not saying to them that they have to run their whole investment, their pension, and everything that for all their life. But the concept of having five or 10, 20 grand and sticking it into a stock portfolio and know what you're doing and be very, very safe, we can do that, absolutely.
0: You mentioned there about a pension. Um, Is it worth it? And how soon should we kind of think about starting one? Because I know it's one of those things that if it's long-term, and most people don't think long-term, whatever the fact it is, but particularly with money and health and stuff, how much money do we need to have when we actually retire? Because we were talking off air and we had the phone call a couple of weeks ago and the number is kind of scared me. Okay, so the thing the thing
1: about a pension is a pension is by a mile the best way to save for your future, okay? Uh, and the reason is you get to put that money in gross, right? So if you've got, uh, you know, Uh, A twenty grand or thirty grand a year salary, and you put three grand into of that into your pension. It goes in gross. You don't pay USC. You don't pay income tax. That three thousand goes in gross. Now, it then earns profits gross and compounds gross all the way up to uh, the time that you decide to retire uh, and take an income from it. It's only then that you pay any tax uh, on your pension. Okay, so you know just just saying a two hundred and fifty. A 250 euros a month pension uh, is 150 grand in 20 years. 250 euros a month accumulates into about 100. at average annual returns accumulates into about 150 grand uh, in 20 years. So a lot of people who have a job, their employer might uh, contribute to their pension uh, as well. So you definitely want to trigger that. Uh, If the employer is willing to put in 5%, uh, if you put in 5%, absolutely trigger that. That's a 5% gross increase in salary. Uh, So trigger that straight away. Uh, Then there's all sorts of uh, issues in terms of, you know, you can add more to it and you can add more to it. The older you get, the more of your salary you can put into a pension. Differs for people who own their own companies, there's all sorts of uh, options there, right? So it is a very, very complex area, pensions, really, really complex. But the basic principle is, should I take advantage of this tax break to stick money into my pension? Uh, Yes, I should. So let's say somebody says, right, I'm putting 10 grand into my pension this year. So they put 10 grand into their pension, it accumulates gross, right? Just think about that. Let's say they said, no, 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 I'm not going to put 10 grand into pension, I'm going to take 10 grand out, and I'm going to invest it. So that ten grand straight away turns into six because they pay tax on it. Right? They put the six grand in. They invest it in the financial markets. Any profits they're going to pay thirty three percent tax on the profits. So the pension is by a mile uh, the better option. By a mile the better option. Now we need to be careful how we do it and things like that. And that's I would say to people: look, and we can do a pensions module for you, Shane, if you want, just to kind of uh, uh, tell people look what the options are um in terms of in terms of having your manage because obviously the management and the performance of your pension is very very important
0: i think i i think as you said like the, the 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 tax if you're taking the stuff out the amount of tax and payments and stuff out of what actually you're taking out is huge i don't think people actually realize that um in relation to the investing and trading what is the actual difference because i think the, a lot of people get caught out on this and they don't actually realize what the actual difference is. So these two buzzwords that are out in the finance world that a lot of people don't actually understand what they're kind of going on about.
1: Yeah. They get mixed up all the time. Mixed yeah. up all the time. So investing is about taking your wealth. Let's say, you know, let's say you have 20 grand. So investing is about taking the 20,000, putting it into assets. Now those assets could be anything. It could be It could be commodities. It could be gold, silver, it could be uranium, it could be stocks. But putting it into assets, right, and having a view that over the years, those assets are going to appreciate. Some faster than others, and some might underperform and not be very good. That's investing. It's very long-term thinking. It's very long-term thinking uh, and investing. And the beautiful thing about investing is asset prices have been rising since the day, you know, since the day of the creation of the world. So, um, you know, the maths is all your favor. You have to do silly things not to make money investing. You do like buy, you know, uh, dolphins, dolphin property and commercial property in Germany or some crazy stuff like that. Solid investing in solid financially stable assets makes you money long term. Maths is all your case. Long term, right? So we're not reading the paper and going, oh, got to buy a bit of GameStop. Oh, we're not doing any of that stuff, right? We're saying solid financially uh, stable companies for long periods of time. That's investing. And the maths is all your favor. Now, trading, here's, and I've spent a career trading, I ran Barclays Treasury for 10 years, ran a big, big trading room for 10 years, taught a lot of people how to trade, set up the Institute of Financial Trading and Investing in 2010, del- uh, delivered lectures and advanced lectures and things on trading, so I know trading inside out. So here's trading. Let's say, for example, I've got my 20 grand, okay? Uh, and I've gone kind of switch on the machines this morning, and I say to myself, Jupiter's gold looks good right i think i'll have a bet on gold going up right now it's a bet i'm using the word bet there uh let's have a bet on the price of gold going up now the great thing about trading is you don't have to physically own the asset like you do investing you just bet on the price like a bookie okay and because you bet on the price you don't pay any tax on your profits now which is (laughs) it's it's, uh, uh, quite an advantage in terms of betting so let's say the price of gold is 2000 right and i say look i want to bet the price of gold going up and i bet to say, look, if gold goes up to 2,100, uh, I'll make a grand. Okay. Uh, So I place a bet per dollar that gold moves. uh, And if gold goes from 2,000 to 2,100, uh, I'm going to make a grand. And if it goes from 2,000 to 1,900, I'm going to lose a grand. Okay. And I think this bet might last three days. Three days tops. Might even kind of finish out today. Now, I have the ability to turn around and say, look, if gold falls to 1,900, I'm going to put in what's called a stop loss and get out of that trade. Right, And if it goes up to 2,100, I'm going to put in a take profit and get out of that trade. And I can close the laptop down and go off and swim in the sea. Right? And that's trading. Okay, So it's very short-term movements of what's going on in the financial markets. Now, the reality is that no trader on the planet is going to get those bets right more than about 50% of the time. You just can't, right? The markets move up and down all the time. You're trying to predict the future. And if you throw a coin, heads or harps, it's gonna break even at 50-50 all the time. So you're gonna break even at 50-50. So most people's experience with the financial markets is very frustrating. They go, God, I just just can't get it right more than 50% of the time, right? So the secret to successful investing, or sorry, successful trading, is you've gotta make a multiple of your bet. So if you want to make a thousand, When it goes from 2000 to 2100, your stop loss has to be about 1970 so that I'm risking 300 quid, but if I get it right, I make a thousand. And if I'm getting what's called risk reward returns, that means if I'm right 50% of the time, I can still make money in the financial markets. Okay. And that's the secret. That's the only secret to trading. There's no other secret to it. That Anyone who tells you they can guess it right seven times out of 10, they're lying through their teeth, right? You can't. Right. So the problem with that is the human being is absolutely pre-programmed, right, to cut the winning trade at 300 and run the losing trade to a grand. Because as humans, we can't take losses. We just go, oh, no, I'm not taking a loss there. I'm not taking a loss. So 90% of people who trade the financial markets will achieve risk reward, reverse risk reward return. Their winners will be smaller than their losses, and they'll still be getting it right 50% of the time and then be losing money. And then they do all sorts of things in terms of panicking and horrendous stuff and things like that. So what I'm saying to people about trading is very few people have that mindset, that that discipline and mindset to be able to be that disciplined trading the financial markets, right? Because you're sitting on your own, right? Nobody's going to police you right? I used to say to people, one of the key things in terms of risk of trading is, is the risk management side. Who's going to do the risk management? Uh, and people say, well, I do. And I said, well, I don't trust you, right? So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to turn around to a friend or a family member and say, here's my account. Here's my trading plan that I've written out. I want you to check my account every night for me that I have not done anything that's not written down in my trading plan. Because I said, that's the only way. When I was in Barclays, if I made a mistake, they fired you. Absolutely fired you if I didn't uh, stick to the rules. And, you know, I fired loads of people on that basis in Barclays. You can't stick to the rules. You're a disaster as a trader, and you go out the door, right? And they just march you. They bring in security, and they lift you up out of your chair, and they walk you out the door. And uh, they, 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 they deprogram your card. You can't get back through the revolving door. Because if you can't stick to the rules in trading, you're 100% guaranteed to lose your money. And in all the 10 years that I taught people, and mostly I will admit I was teaching people for a grand that you can't do it to save them twenty thousand. Right? You don't have the ability to do it to save them twenty grand. You don't have the per- I could tell instantaneously from a person's personality whether they had the discipline to do it. Uh, whether now there was there was some very successful people uh, that had the had the maths, had the tech ability, had the discipline understood the risk management outsourced the risk management to somebody else to make sure that they realized that if i did something stupid they'd be accountable there was very intelligent people who did that they were they were about 20 percent of people who did it so i'd say to people trading if you're out there trading and you think you're going to make money in the financial markets without solid education without risk management without help it ain't going to happen you can get lucky and go on a lucky run but it isn't going to happen trust me
0: it's like gambling. It's the exact same thing.
1: It's exactly the same as gambling. Yeah,
0: yeah it's exactly the
1: same as gambling. Uh, and the big players in the market have all the technology, right? Uh, and then all this scam stuff that you hear on uh, that's been advertised, oh, you can make this amount of money, they can make that amount of money. That's all scam. That's all scam. <clears throat> a, a proper trading performance is around about 4% a month is your target. Anyone who tells you they're making more money than that, lying through their teeth. It's just a lucky guess. They had a lucky guess. They'll go zero. They'll go, they'll blow it all. Uh, the next
0: eventually. Yes. Yeah. Um, I think the last question is, I think this will be a key question for a lot of people because the, the, the uncertainty that's out there is in relation to the kind of the key steps to achieving financial security. Uh, and I know you've got stuff ready for this, for this answer.
1: The which, sorry. sorry?
0: what are the key steps to, to achieving financial key, security. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, so the, the, the what we have to remember is when we get to retirement age, which could be 65 or probably be 75, you know, if, if anyone's in their 20s listening to this, uh, it would probably be 75 by the time you uh, retirement age. <clears throat> However, let's say you get to retirement age, you're going to need 30 years of income in the bag uh, well, on, on that date. So 30 years, and let's, let's say, you know, somebody was retiring now and said, look, I need 30 grand a year. I'll take my, I've got my state pension. Uh, That gives me 13,000 and I want uh, 30 grand on top of that. So they need 900,000 in the bank, right? 900,000, okay? So uh, that seems like a lot of money. It seems like a lot of money. But I mean, you know, the sooner you start, the better. So the first thing, uh, the first thing on your journey to financial independence and wealth is a debt-free property, right? So are you going to have something to live in when you retire that you don't own anything on uh, so, getting a mortgage, getting a property, clearing it debt-free uh, is a very good first step to wealth. Now, a lot of people say to me, "Well, that, that's appalling," because you know, in uh, Germany and France, people rent all their lives and things of like that. Okay, that's fair enough, but that means you've got a liability. Uh, you know, when you retire, you've got a liability. You've got to come up with rent every month. Yeah. Okay, so I like the idea of debt-free property. I like the idea of somewhere. I've got somewhere to live in. I don't care how much it costs. I've got somewhere to live in. Worst comes to worst, I've got a roof over my head. Okay, so that means you're wealthy. You've got some wealth. Okay, so all you need now is your living expenses. Uh, you've covered uh, the fact that you don't, you're not paying a mortgage. So debt-free property is a really good target in terms of that. After that, you can, you, can, you know, and some people, uh, uh, I've met a lot of people who are doing, doing quite well and they're in their 30s doing quite well and uh, their mortgage is very affordable uh, and they have kind of, and they say kind of, you know, mortgage is very affordable. Blah, blah, blah. I said, get another one, get another mortgage right? Save for another deposit, get another, get a second property. Uh, so if you can afford it, uh, build towards a second property. And a second property then, if you can, if not, not a second property on the basis that I bought it for 200 grand, and I want to sell it for 300. A second property on the basis that I'll have this one debt-free as well when I retire. And now I've got an income. Now I've got an income, right? So that's the second one. Uh, maxing out your pension. Is the third one. Now, the one thing I want to say about uh, the downside to pensions that I just wanted to say, or I forgot to say earlier, is once you put money into a pension, you can't get it out until you retire. So you have to be very careful. You don't want to kind of go, oh, I've 30 grand in my pension and uh, I have no money in my bank, right? That's no good because you can't get out, right? So you have to realize that your pension is savings that are for your retirement, not savings for 10 years' time and I want to get married and spend 30 grand, I'll take it out of my pension. You can't. Once it goes in there, you can't get it out. So that's that's an important point. Uh, so maxing out your pension, taking advantage of the fact that they're willing to let you put money into your pension, gross, make money, profits in it, gross, compound it, gross, and only pay tax when you draw it out, right? And it's a, and it can be an inheritance then. I mean, if you're going to end up with a million quid in your pension and you only used three hundred grand in your lifetime, uh, somebody's going to seven hundred grand inheritance. You know, so pension is just great. Uh, And then I would consider uh, other investments. So if you're in that space where you're saying, look, I'll consider other investments as well in terms of that. Uh, But we need to be thinking about that uh, and thinking about, uh, you know, getting to the stage where we're going to do something about this because nobody else is going to help you out. Irish Life aren't going to turn around and say, look, you know, oh, your pension's in the wrong product. We must bring this person. I mean, one of the issues in pensions is people aren't taking enough risk. So I would say that 60% of the pensions that people have in this country are not gonna make any money, literally because they've got 60% in there that are bonds, which have a zero interest rate on them, and 40% in stocks, right? Uh, And they are being charged on the lot. So they're actually just doomed to make no money. And they don't realize that. And Irish Life aren't gonna write to them and say, look, actually, you need to do something about that. Uh, So it's the HR department and Irish Life, or it's you. Uh, and it's literally just about doing a little bit of education, uh, and that education is mostly free. I'm not going to teach people how to run, how to manage a stock portfolio for free. That There is a cost to that, uh, but certainly we can come on here and we can do a little bit about uh, pensions, if you like, Shane, and just, just what people need to to know. We can absolutely do that.
0: 100%. I think if, if people are looking for... For for the advice and the, and the webinars and on the courses and stuff, Peter, where can people find out about the company? Where can people get in contact with yourself?
1: Okay, so the the website is baggett.ie b a g g o t dot um, You can just uh, email me. My email is p brown p b r o w n at baggot.ie. And uh, the stock course uh, runs um, starting on the sixth of May. But we do it, we we do run it uh, quite ready. It's only 195 euros, and it will give you absolutely the skill set needed to safely start your own stock portfolio. Right, Amazing. it'll do that. Uh, and then in terms of uh, general education around how would I engage with a broker? What pension do I need? What's the important things to need on a pension? Uh, we can do that here, Shane, on another podcast for you. And that'd be free of charge. That, that sort of thing is people people need that sort of education. I wouldn't charge for that.
0: Amazing. And I, I'm, all the information to get in contact with Peter is going to be in the write-up, in the bio for the podcast. If people want to click it, click on the link, pop a message, and I'll put in the link for the stock course as well uh, for people who want to get involved in that as well. Peter, I cannot thank you enough for... Your time, the, the amount of knowledge that you've put in uh, and the amount of uh, information, that, especially around the mortgages and the pensions. Because I think a lot of people do struggle with that, especially with what's going on at the minute with the mortgages and the, and, and the rates and stuff and the interest rates. But thank you so much for coming on, Peter. No problem. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Shane.